What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 87. Normal baseball, basketball, football this week, but we got some fun stuff in between. Buy or sell. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Should be good. Yeah, it's going to talk about majority of the shows going to be baseball. We'll still talk about basketball at the end and maybe have a little bit of football in halftime as well. But let's just go ahead and get right into the opener. Skyler, what was the favorite thing that you saw over this past week? I'm going to go with Al Horford. All right. The Celtics last night, great comeback win over the Bucks, And the old man playing 42 minutes, had 30 points, eight rebounds. And dunked on Giannis. Uh, pretty crazy. Uh, I am a big uh, Bucks believer this postseason, but he's starting to change my mind. You know, if uh, a third or fourth piece of your offense, uh, like uh, Al Horford is to Boston, is putting up these kind of numbers, you're going to be looking pretty good. Yeah, for sure. And the favorite thing that I saw this past week, got to be the Debs going up 3-1 over the Memphis Grizzlies. With the state of that series right now, it looks like the Dubs should probably win in five or six, especially with Ja being out uh, most likely in the rest of the series and would be the rest of the season for Memphis. Wasn't pretty in, in pretty much all the games except for game three, but sitting at 3-1 series lead is, is a pretty good spot for the Warriors, and I'm completely okay with that. On to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week, and then we'll get into our favorite number 87 because it is episode number 87. But the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week has got to be Josh Naylor, specifically for his performance last night where he hit two home runs uh, after the eighth inning of a ball game and became the first player in MLB history to have eight-plus RBIs after the eighth inning of a game. Two absolutely massive home runs, a game-time grand slam in the ninth against Liam Hendricks, and a go-ahead home run in the 11th to give the Guardians a win there. Did you see the clip of him going back into the dugout, yelling and screaming and mm-hmm. throwing his helmet? Yeah, it's a cool clip for, for Naylor. And a lot of people on those comments are, like, shitting on him, saying, oh, dude, like, relax. Like, that's, like, disrespect, stuff like that. But I don't think a lot of people realize that Josh Naylor dislocated his ankle last year and had one of the most gruesome baseball injuries we've seen over the past few years, literally like eight, nine months ago at this point. So to see that him coming back and playing with this emotion and playing well is super good to see for him. And it just shows now I don't think he's taking anything for granted and he's soaking in all the big moments that you should be soaking in. Yeah, no complaints from me. Let's go ahead and get to our favorite number 87. Skyler, what do you got for this one? I'm going to go with uh, number 87 who played for the same team for 17 years. That's Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh, three-time cup winner, two-time heart, eight-time all-star, one of the greatest to ever touch the ice. Don't forget about the two-time Art Ross, the three-time Ted Lindsley, Two-time Maurice Richard trophy winner and a two-time Con Smythe trophy winner, Sidney Crosby as well. Wow. From Nova Scotia in Canada. Yeah, Trailer Park Boys was shot there. Yeah, one of the 
pretty clear. Best number 87 of all time, unless you want to talk about tight ends. Yeah. You go to Mr. Clark. Jordy Nelson. So also another good one. Uh, let's go ahead and get the team reports now. Probably not too much to report on, but uh, Skeller, anything with the Jets this week? Uh, Sauce Gardner's wearing number one. <laughs> I did no, but, see uh, that. <laughs> so rookie camp uh, over the past week uh, has been pretty mellow for the Jets. Robert Sala uh, has had in the past first round picks get horribly injured in rookie minicamp. So he had all the first and second round picks chill. Just, uh, you know, wa- watching the drills, maybe mimicking the drills from the side. But one guy, Michael mm-hmm. Clemens, defensive end from Texas A&M, who we drafted in the fourth round, is looking like an absolute monster. Uh, he fell in the draft because of some off-the-field issues, and the Jets' Twitter is going crazy. All the jokes are like when Michael Clemens was born, he drove his parents home from the hospital, and it's uh, very excited for that so he's guy. a dog. Yeah. He's a dog. As far as the Raiders go, though, not too much to report on except for perhaps an all-pro corner joining the Raiders here uh, in May could be a possibility with James Bradbury being cut from the Giants. Obviously, Bradbury's defensive coordinator over the past few years, Patrick Graham, is now at the Raiders. Raiders need a corner. They have some cap space. That could be a potential fit, and that would be something that I would love because we need a number one corner and that's what James Bradbury would provide. Besides that though, nothing really to report on NFL schedule comes out on Thursday. We've had a few games trickle out uh, from uh, the broadcasting companies for those games. So we've seen about maybe eight or nine of those games be reported so far, Uh, but we'll get them all on Thursday it should be a very exciting time on uh, Thursday on at five o'clock. Let's go ahead and get to the spotlight now. I see yeah. you and me both chose some young pitchers. Tell me about Jack Leiter so far. Scott. All right. Jack Leiter had a start for the Frisco Rough Riders. That's double A for the Rangers. I uh, got some notifications on my phone. This this game was be on, uh, on MLB TV. So I uh, went to go look for it. And of course, there was some kind of problem, so I couldn't watch it. But I watched it the next day on YouTube. <laughs> Jack Leiter had five innings. Sorry, six innings. Two-hit ball, no runs, five strikeouts against the Arkansas Travelers. And uh, this guy's not skipped a beat. 193 ERA so far this year in AA. And, uh, you know, it's not great as A's fans, but still it's, it's always good to see the top prospects uh, shoving in the minors. He should be up pretty soon. That's pretty cool. I'm going to talk about Hunter Green as my young pitcher in spotlight here. A lot of people, we all knew Hunter Green was coming up, but since then we haven't heard too much news about him, and that's because his ERA currently sits at a 7.4. It's given up the most home runs in the MLB, but there is one good thing about Hunter Green so far. That's that he has 35 strikeouts in 25 and two-thirds innings. He's been dominating as far as that aspect, but giving up the home run home run ball is definitely going to cost you. As A's fans, we saw something similar with Jesus Lazardo when he came up a few years ago. He'd have all these strikeouts. Next thing you know, he has a 99 mile an hour fastball. It's right down the middle. And regardless of what the velocity is, these big league hitters are going to go ahead and take that ball out of the ballpark. But there is some good news because Hunter Green is pitching tonight. He's facing the NL Central leading 
Milwaukee Brewers, Ooh. and he's gone five innings so far, given up one run and has six strikeouts. So okay. good job by, by Hunter so far. Hopefully uh, that continues, and uh, the Reds have some more good things to talk about because they're, they haven't really had too many here in the first month and week of the MLB season. Let's go ahead and get to where's your head at now. And we're going to be talking about our player pitcher and rookie of the week. First, before we get into anything else, Skyler, who is your player of the week? My player of the week, uh, sticking with Josh Naylor at 400 this week, 13 RBIs. And obviously that crazy eight RBI game last night against Chicago. uh, That did it for me. Yeah. Josh Naylor was a very close second for me. I decided to go with Jared Walsh. Uh, he had four homers and 12 RBIs while hitting 417 over this past week. He's been absolutely raking for the Angels, who are also leading their division in the AL West. Let's go ahead and get the pitcher of the week. Who do you got here, Scott? Yeah, going with Nestor Cortez. No hitter into the eighth, seven and a third, 11 Ks, just that one hit. Uh, and he had two starts this week, too. One, he got the loss against Tampa, but... Maybe six innings, two runs, I think I read. So uh, pretty solid week for Nestor Cortez. Yeah, Nestor was good for sure. I decided to go away from him, though, and went with Shohei Otani because he had another great performance on the mound. Seven innings shutout against the Red Sox where he gave up six hits and had 11 strikeouts. Shohei's a dog. I mean, we don't got to say it anymore. We know who Shohei is at this point. Yeah. What about rookie of the week, Skyler? Uh, I think this one's going to be unanimous. George Kirby, Seattle, six shutout innings, seven Ks, no walks against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, uh, a rough couple weeks uh, with the offense, at least. I know they, uh, you know, had their way with uh, with Seattle in the last series, but a lot of tough matchups. Yeah. I also have George Kirby here, and... I know Skelly already mentioned the stats with him, but I think a really big thing is those zero walks because when the Seattle Mariners brought up Matt Brash a little bit earlier in the season, that was his big problem was walking guys. He, he had about eight, like over nine K per nine, but he was walking guys at the same weight that he was striking them out. Uh, And for George Kirby to go out there and have seven strikeouts and not walk a single batter, it was very, very big. In his big major league debut against one of the best teams in all of baseball. So good for George Kirby, good for the Mariners, and bad for the A's because we might have to face them for 10-plus years. Mm-hmm. All right. We have an interesting segment now. We're going to be talking about which players we think right now in the MLB will be Hall of Famers. Skylar's did his list a little bit different than I did mine, so he's going to do his in tears. I'll talk about a few of mine. I'll chime into some of his. And we'll go into that. All right. So I'm four tiers here. You want me to go tier by tier or say them all right now? Let's go. Let's go tier by tier. We'll start off with you have like the the sure locks up top. Yeah. Let me start going through. Yeah. All right. We got Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, Mm -hmm. Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Zach Greinke, Mike Trout, Clayton Kershaw, Yadier Molina. Molina. Sheesh. Any other yeah. players you Molina's, think are locked right now? Molina's not as much of a lock as those other guys, I think, but that doesn't mean that he's not making it. I think uh, all those other guys, for sure, though, should be probably ninety plus percent in their first first year. Well, voting. the thing is, I I do I agree that the other guys on this list will be first ballot guys, and Yachty might, but I still think he's a lock to go second or third year. That's yeah. why he's on the lock list. Yeah. All right, uh, and anyone I'm missing? A lot of first ballot guys there, though. 
I think you got those all. I think okay. you got them. The next list is the guys who are currently on pace. They're they've just hit you know the second leg of their career, uh, and this is the biggest list for me. So I'll just rip through it right now. We got Bryce mm-hmm. Harper, Manny Machado, Chris Sale, Paul Goldie, Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant, Mookie Betts, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman, Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole, Andrew McCutcheon, Joey Votto, Madison Bumgarner, Christian Yelich, and Corey Seager. Yeah, I, I like that list. I think uh, Chris Bryant is actually one of the lower percentage guys on that list, though. Uh, when it comes to some of the counting stats, he's pretty far behind when it gets to those. Uh, but I think there's a chance he can get in. Obviously, playing him uh, Colorado might help him out quite a bit. Or it might hurt him also because they, I mean, they made Larry Walker uh, wait a little bit. So, or there's even some confusion about him. But, uh, I like that list. I do. All right. The next tier here is the fast start guys. The guys who are off to a crazy start uh, with their war specifically through their first five years. Uh, So we got Shohei Otani. We got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We got Ronald Acuna. Juan Soto. Francisco Tatis Jr. Shane Bieber. Walker Bueller. Jordan Alvarez. Emmanuel Classe, who we talked about, mm-hmm. and Josh Hader. Yeah, I like those guys. I'd be interested. I don't really know how old he is. Let me go ahead and pull it up. I was thinking about Devin Williams and mm-hmm. how old he is, but let's see. He's 27, so yeah, he's a little bit behind the curve when it comes to that stuff. And he's not – I mean, he only has five saves in his curve. Have we ever seen a guy not be a closer and not be a starter that makes the Hall of Fame? Like a setup man? I don't think so. But there's Devin Williams is so unique. I don't think he gets into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Especially if he ends up having like 15 saves in his career. He'll probably end up going somewhere else because I, I would figure that he wants to be a closer at some point in his career. But uh, I don't know. There's just something to think about with him. Yeah. All right. You may be like thinking – you know, there's a couple more guys you haven't said that I, I swore would have been on this list. Well, they're in the question mark tier here. This one, I'll give a little explanation or try to for each guy. If you're thinking, wait, why, why isn't he a lock or on pace? So we'll mm-hmm. start with Robinson Cano. That's the steroids. All right. He's got all the numbers to be in there. But if Barry Bonds didn't get in, I don't think Robinson Cano is going to get in. Yeah. Especially since Robinson Cano did it in an era where you couldn't actually do it. Next, we got Araldus Chapman. Um, I guess I'll group them with Kenley Jansen here. These guys are, are question marks because we don't really know how the relievers are going to be uh, considered. We still have uh, guys like Billy Wagner still on the ballot uh, after five years, you know, with no real traction. Do you have Craig Kimbrell in the... Actually, yes. He was okay. he was right below Jansen. Thank you. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kimbrell was the next guy. So I guess he's in the same category here, too. Um. Interesting, because I, I really don't know right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next guy, we'll go Nelson Cruz, a guy who said a lot of homers, but we know how they feel about fielding over there in the Writers Association. So we'll see if they... Uh, He's got a strong arm, but we haven't seen him in five years, years at this yeah. point. We haven't seen him since David Freeze tripled over him. 
next about. next guy is Jose Altuve. He cheated. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't his idea, but he was part of the team. So we'll see uh, if any more news comes out about that in the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. Well, it's probably will. Yeah. There'll probably be some interview so. that does <laughs> something once one of those guys retires. Hmm. All right. And then after that, I have Adam Wainwright, who I believe is a Hall of Famer, but he doesn't have all the counting stats, which is tough because he's had a, a couple hurt years, but he's played a long time. Yeah. I, I think Wayne Wayno is a, a Hall of Famer for sure. I think those three guys, Pujols, Yachty, and uh, Wayno, are definitely going to be Hall-ups. Obviously, Pujols is like a lock of the century, but yes. still. There is a few guys, though, that I want to talk about, yeah. uh, and some of them being the Astros. Uh, I'm curious how they are going to punish those guys at all. Uh, we've seen guys like Pete Rose, I mean, who yeah. should be a Hall of Famer, but isn't uh, just because of some of the off-the-field stuff that he was doing. I feel like if the Ash, I mean, even though it is technically on the field, it's still kind of like an integrity issue. Uh, I'm curious how serious the voters or writers, whatever you want to call them, take that as far as for Bregman, Correa, Altuve. Uh, I don't think Springer's really in that conversation. No. Uh, and Jordan and Kyle Tucker, those guys are a little bit too young to be in those. But for those main three of Correa, Bregman, and Altuve, I think it should be very interesting to see. And then I do want to talk about two sleeper guys that I have uh, for counting stats that can get there. They're both 27 both have in between 800 to 900 career innings pitched. They both have in between 800 to 900 career strikeouts. 27 years old. Can you name these two guys who might be on that spot? I'm not sure. Well, that career, though, you, you think about those those career spots for that right now. Just entering their prime. Yeah, they're both 27. Uh, they're entering their prime right now pretty much. They're both on – I mean, they're on franchise was franchises where they're going to pitch a lot they have pretty decent contracts at this point so they're going to be there for a while and they have a chance to get to those counting stats obviously i think uh wins relied a lot more in the previous uh years as far as like getting in wins now shouldn't mean as much because i think we know how telling a win is it's really not at all in in baseball uh and those two guys are jose barrios and Herman marquez those two guys have a possibility to get to 2,000 strikeouts. They have a possibility to get to 2,000 innings. Whenever you have a chance to do that, you definitely got a chance to be in the Hall of Fame and at least be on the ballot and make a case for yourself. Obviously, the all-star appearances and stuff like that are a little interesting. I believe Armand Marquez only has one, and I'm not too sure how many uh, – Brios has, I'm going to pull it up real quick. Mm-hmm. He has just two, but if those guys continue to make a few all-star teams and pitch well throughout their careers where they both make the all-star team five plus times and they have those counting stats, I think it should be an interesting debate for those guys. I would keep an eye on uh, Marquez for sure. Yeah. There's, uh, there's going to be some kind of transformation in Colorado. I feel it. Yeah. It is pretty interesting to see though, that both those guys are only 27 for, yeah. How long that they've been pitching? Yeah. Next segment that we're gonna do, I don't think we're gonna be talking. I do about have three more guys. Of, oh, sorry. Oh, good. Bad. I just in case uh, someone's like, "What the hell? What about Giancarlo Stanton?" Well, this uh, is where he is. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he needs a resurgence of of some kind here to get into the Hall of Fame. I feel like, but it's 
not ridiculous to ask him to do that because he's so powerful. So he's in the question mark. Uh, David Price and Strasburg, two guys off to amazing starts who have both been hurt a lot. Strasburg probably gets a leg over Price since he got the World Series MVP. Price didn't win that World Series that he pitched in. Uh, but uh, some more guys to keep an eye on. Sorry. Does Price not have a ring? Was he not on that Boston team? He was on the Boston team. Yeah. My bad. I, I was thinking Tampa Bay. Yeah. So yeah. he he does have that 28 World Series, five-time All-Star Cy Young. What about Rick Porcello? No. <laughs> I'll, I'll stay away from that one. Uh, but now we can move on to our next segment yes. of the show, and that's buy or sell. We're talking about guys that have had some hot starts so far this season or maybe maybe even a slow start. Uh, and seeing if we're buying on them right now and we think that they're going to continue to do what they're doing or if we're selling and saying that these guys are not sticking up to their current hot start. So the first guy that we're going to be talking about is Angels outfielder who's absolutely going ham right now. Six home runs, 15 RBIs, 364 average, and a 1.165 OPS. That's Taylor Ward. Are you buying or selling? Yeah. I'm buying Taylor Ward here. All right. His hard hit barrel strikeout percentage, all the same. But this year, the walk percentage is up from 20% to 10% higher than his career average. He's seen it better hitting uh, either in front of behind. Uh, however, Joe Madden draws it up every week. It uh, helps a lot, you know, to be behind some future Hall of Famers. Yeah, for sure. I I also am buying on Taylor Ward. I think he's he's been doing really well. And I just had a few... Angel games that I've watched this year, he passes the eye test for sure. He, he's hitting the ball hard, hitting it to all fields, and he's fast as well. Uh, and it, with how that lineup is structured, he they have to pitch to him. Uh, even though yeah. he's walked a shit ton That's of times. That's pretty much what I was I, trying to say. <laughs> I think uh, the other guys in that lineup having a Shohei, Trout, Rendon, Jared Walsh, uh, and all those dudes in that lineup is definitely going to bode well for him. And, and seeing pitches where the guys have to come after him and he's not going to – that can be forced to chase or, or do something more than what he needs to do. Next up is first baseman, Eric Cosmer, who has had an interesting last six months or so. The Padres, I, I thought there was a for sure chance that this guy wasn't going to be on the roster from the season uh, when we were in the lockout. Now he has 35 hits in his first hundred at bats this season, three home runs and 18 RBIs. And he's playing well for that. Now Bob Melvin led Padres team. Do you think Hosmer is going to keep this up this year? What do you think? I was a big Hosmer believer before the season started. So of course I'm going to buy this one. He's walking so much more than last year on base machine. And uh, all the writers who said he should have been traded for nothing, just a cap dump should be fired. <laughs> yeah. I still think he's a bit overpaid and I am actually sure. selling on Hosmer. I don't think he's going to go ahead and keep up to this pace. I think 350 is a tough, tough clip. I th he's a guy that could hit 300 or hit 280, but just with how his his percentages go as far as hitting ground balls and how often he does that, it just doesn't bode well for today's sport. Where, I mean, having average is cool. Hit him sixth. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, you look at you look at a guy like Ichiro's career where he was hitting 350 throughout his whole career, and he had an OPS of of like 800, like mm -hmm. four times in his career. Like he's not a guy that was posting nine fifties and Eric Hosmer, I don't think has a 
very legitimate chance to post higher than an 800 uh, this season. I think he will come down to earth and uh, definitely not going to be hitting for power. So maybe it's a little skewed right now with the first month of the season. I don't know how how many home runs Hosmer will hit, but I know it's not going to be that many. Next up is Tampa Bay Rays outfielder Manuel Margot and former Padre as well. Yeah. Uh, he's been going ham right now. He had three homers in that series against the Mariners over the weekend. So he's got those three homers, 20 RBIs. That leads the team in Tampa Bay right now, 337 and a 900 OPS. Do you think Manuel Margot is finally the guy that we all thought he was going to be when he was coming up? I'm going to sell Margot. All right. He had a crazy series, which was nice. But other than that, it's all singles. He's got one of the lowest barrel percentages in the MLB. The expecting batting average is pretty crazy for him right now, especially because of that series. But it's a little too uh, risky for me to buy him. Yeah, I'm also going to sell on Manuel Margot. I don't. I think he could have a good season, but I see him hovering around uh, probably an 800 OPS this season. Not going to hit a lot of home runs for you. I think those three homers over the weekend probably skewed that stat quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, good start for Manuel Margot. Unfortunately, I just don't think he's going to be able to keep it up. If he doesn't keep it up, too, you know, the matchups, how, how Kevin Cash plays it, he's only going to be in the lineup half the days. So we'll see how that goes over there. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have another side of it. Uh, also another former Padre. That's Framil Reyes. He has had one of the coldest starts in all of baseball this year. Striking out a shit ton. Leads the MLB in strikeouts at 47, and he's only walked four times we know how big of a bat mm-hmm. framil reyes is as far as hitting bombs over 450 feet and he's only had four extra base hits in the first 26 games of the season for him so far are you buying or selling on uh mr framil if i could i would hold him but i can't so i'm gonna buy this that he's bad uh, the walk rate's down from 10% to 3%. Like you said, he's only walked a handful of times. He's still hitting the ball really hard, but the chase rate is so much higher than last year. He's he's not seeing the ball at all. Yeah, I, I think he, he'll break out of his slump a little bit, but I think he's going to continue the strikeout rate and probably post one of the highest strikeout clips in all of the MLB this season. So I'm going to say that this isn't just a fluke for right now. I think this is probably how the season is going to go. I don't think he ends up having a total of 16 extra base hits throughout the whole season. He probably gets up to about 30 or so and starts to get going and hits a couple home runs here and there. But I don't think Framil race is going to have nearly as good of a season as he did the season before. Now we're going to the pitching side of the ball, and we're not talking about Sandy Alcantara for the Marlins. We're talking about Pablo Lopez, who's been their best pitcher so far this season. Uh, I'm pulling up his stats right now. He currently sits as either one or two as far as ERA goes throughout the whole MLB. I think Kopich actually has the best. Uh, but a one ERA, 36 innings pitched, only four earned runs, 35 strikeouts, and only eight walks. You buying or selling for Pablo Lopez? I'm buying Pablo Lopez. His hard hit rate is weirdly high, but he's uh, 89th percentile in chase rate. He's been throwing the fastball more this year. Like the last year, his changeup was the primary pitch, and it's dropped down from a 235 average to 160. So he's keeping everybody off balance. Uh, I like it. 
Yeah. Pablo Lopez is a stud. He's a fun guy to watch pitch. Uh, and he's made me some money sometimes when I've bended on him. So he's on my good side yeah. right now. I'm definitely buying on him. I, I think he's going to have a great season for the the Marlins. He's got one of the lowest whips in the MLB as well. It's below one. And anytime you see a starter have a whip below one, you definitely got to look at it and say, wow, this guy's he's not messing around. He's having quick innings. He's not walking guys and he's not giving up a ton of hits either. Uh, so I don't think he's keeping up his Bob Gibson type ERA, but I wouldn't be shocked if he finishes in the high twos. Next right. up is Logan Gilbert, who has been just as good as Pablo Lopez uh, before the Mariners, obviously not the Marlins. He started off the year absolutely insane. He slowed down a little, little tiny bit, but not too crazy. He currently sits 4-0, 1.36 ERA in his six starts, 33 innings, 33 strikeouts. Uh, and yeah, so are we buying on Mr. Logan Gilbert? I'm going to buy on Logan Gilbert here again. I think he's kind of the complete opposite of Pablo Lopez. He hasn't been getting the chase rates he likes, but he forces very soft contact this year. That's all you can ask from your starters. Yeah, Logan Gilbert's kind of a trippy guy to face because he is so big and tall. He's 6'6", and he has a weird motion as well where he lays back very well in his motion. Uh, I think that bodes well for him. He had some interesting stretches last year where we thought he could be pretty good. And he also, we also thought maybe this guy might not be as good as what uh, was being advertised for him. But as of right now, it looks like that Seattle rotation is going to be super, super good in a few years when they have all their guys uh, settled and they still got Robbie Ray in that rotation as well. Uh, I, I'm buying on Logan Gilbert. Same thing as Pablo Lopez. I think his ERA has a chance to be below three and sit right in that two, eight, two, nine area. Another Mariners pitcher, but we're talking about the bad side of it. It's Robbie Ray who just got paid this summer. He hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been worth all the money that he got paid. He has a fourth, Three eight ERA right now, only 31 Ks in 37 innings. That's not something we would have thought that we would have saw with Robbie Ray, especially in a pitcher's ballpark like uh, not Safeco, but T-Mobile. And uh, 18 run runs already in 37 innings. So not the greatest start for Robbie Ray. Do you think this slow start is, is real or do you think he's going to break out of it and get going once again? I'm going to buy that there's something going on here with them. The secondary pitches are getting absolutely crushed. A 255 average on the slider, 500 on the curveball. No chase at all when uh, when hitters are facing Robbie Ray this year. So something's going on with them, and I want nothing to do with it. Yeah, I don't think Robbie Ray is, is worth the money. I didn't like this signing when it happened in the offseason because he really only had one good season. Uh, and we've seen this happen before with pitchers where they have that one really good season and then we never really see that ever again. I think Robbie Ray probably ends up at a 3-9, 3-8 type area for ERA this season, but he's not going to be the, the the high twos type guy that he was for Toronto last year and ended up winning the Cy Young for them. K. Wright scares me. I kind of expected more from him there. That's That's one of the best ways to make yourself look good is by striking guys out and that's that's like what I was talking about with Hunter Green. He has one of the better strikeout clips in the MLB right now. Uh, but Robbie Ray does not have that, and I don't think he is going to be worth the money, to say the least. 
We're talking about a Brewers pitcher next, and it's not Freddie Peralta. It's not Corbin Burns. It's not Brandon Woodruff, even though we probably, or Aaron should, be Ashby. About, we probably should be talking about Brandon Woodruff, though, because he's been quite terrible yeah. so far this season. But we're talking about Eric Lawler. He's been dominant for them this year. And I, this kind of came out of nowhere for me. Uh, 1.82 ERA, 42 strikeouts and 22, 29 and two thirds innings and a whip that sits just below one and uh, not walking a lot of guys. And he's not allowing a home, a lot of home runs either. Yeah. What do you think uh, for Mr. Lawler? I'm buying this. Sorry. Yeah. Another Padre. And yeah, I'm buying it for sure. He's had a high whiff rate throughout his career. And uh, luckily for us, we have advanced stats now like fielding independent, independent pitching. pitching. Uh, yeah. FIP, FIP. And we could see that throughout his career, he was really unlucky. And uh, especially now in the, the three true outcome baseball, we see this guy's going to be just fine. He's got some, some uh, actual defense behind him and uh, he's going to be fine. Yeah, Eric Waller, he's been an absolute beast for the the Brewers so far this season. I did not think I would see a strikeout clip like this for him. Uh, sitting at that 12, 13K per nine area is not somewhere that he's been close to in his career. Uh, but getting up to there is obviously a big thing for him in order to get out so he can get deep into ball games. I don't know if that one eight ERA will stick all the way down there. It usually doesn't for those guys, but I see him probably just above three and being a very solid, one of the best number four starters in all of the MLB this season uh, for the Brewers. Last guy that yeah. we're going to talk about is a former A, still super, super young, and that is Jesus Cesardo. We talked about him a little bit earlier in the show. I compared him to Hunter Green and how he – uh, started his career where he was pitching really, really good. He had one bad inning, throw a couple fastballs down the middle and get killed for it, and that cost his team the game. So far, he hasn't really done that. He has 26 innings pitched so far, 35 strikeouts, just over three ERA. Walks have been a little bit of a problem. He has 12 walks in those 26 innings, but that's something that you mm-hmm. can fix. I believe he changed up one of his pitches a little bit. I'm blanking on which one it was, though, and he's starting to throw it more effectively. Yes. I believe it's a slider, but uh, really good so far. And it's good to see if Jesus is Are you buying it or are you selling it? I'm buying. And what you were saying was, uh, or at least one piece of it is, he stopped throwing the sinker. He didn't have as much control. He was getting hit hard, 300 average. So he's throwing the four-seamer primarily, 154 average, and he's not walking guys with the fastball. It's helping him a lot. Yeah, I'm definitely buying it. I mean, this guy was the number 14th ranked prospect in, in baseball at one point for a reason. I wish he was doing this in, in an A's uniform, but I'll take what we had with Starling Marte because that was a fun experience in the two months that we had him, even though yeah. uh, Marte is obviously not with us anymore and it didn't really amount to anything. But it's good to see Jesus Cesardo pitching well in his new uh, threads. All righty. So that does it for buy or sell. We're going to go ahead and send it to halftime now. Skylar, tell me about the, the news or the NFL analyst, Tom Brady. Yeah. I uh, woke up this morning to some Tom Brady contract news that uh, kind of freaked me out for a second when my eyes weren't adjusted yet, but it yeah. was a 10 year, $375 million deal from Fox sports to be an analyst. And, uh, this is crazy. I think it's great that uh, the guy who probably knows the most about football uh, in the world 
is going to be working with with Fox. Yeah, I don't know it, how it's else definitely, it. It's crazy. It, it's super super good uh, to see that Tom's doing this, and I think the reason why he's doing this is that in the two months that he retired and he was away from football, he realized he needs football in his life indefinitely. And he's definitely going to go ahead and get that now with this big contract with Fox. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how his, how his wife and his kids feel about this, because I think that whole thing of uh, him when he steps away from football, just taking time with his family and just doing all that stuff. I felt like you would disappear a little bit, like how Michael Jordan does mm-hmm. and doesn't really have that much input in a lot of things, but it looks like that's not happening. Tom Brady should be a voice to remember past his playing career uh, as he joins Kirk Herbstreet in the booth once his playing career is done. <laughs> That's going to be a legendary uh, team right there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, a little bit of NFL news, some, some moves, nothing crazy, but we got running back Mike Davis getting signed by the Ravens. I think this says more about Atlanta, how Cordero Patterson is their only option at least uh, at the running back position and should be a monster for fantasy once again. And another guy to watch out for, Sony Michelle signing with the Dolphins, going back to the AFC East. They're going to have a crazy committee over there with uh, Mike McDaniel with the uh, the Niners offense. Uh, yeah. And, you know, undrafted free agents, nothing crazy. The Jets signed a guy who was on, another guy who was on last chance. You, uh, Carson Strong from Nevada going to Philly. I don't know if I mentioned it last week. And Justin Ross, receiver from Clemson to the Chiefs. Not yeah, a lot going on for football right now. Yeah, it's usually what, what we get to right now. May is usually the slowest month of the year. And then after that, we start getting training camps and stuff like that and all that news. And Guys tearing their ACLs. August, oh, Jesus. August and September, we start actually playing games and seeing the uh, season start. So kind of in the dog days of spring, if you want to call it that, for the NFL. But uh, mm. basketball's got some news. That's for sure. Yeah, Nikola Jokic, the back-to-back MVP. You know, I'm okay with this. I could understand the argument that Embiid had a, a better statistical season, and I understand the argument if you say Giannis is a better player, but uh, no one does what Jokic does for their team. You know, he he literally is... I, his whole team he looks so defeated after every game, like like yeah. someone beat him up. You know, it's, I was trying to yeah. find the nice way to say that. You know, that, mm-hmm. and I think there it is. <laughs> yeah, Jokic is the Nuggets. I think it's a, that simple. That uh, after watching that series where they played the Dubs, and obviously that's kind of where the closest I, I'm going to watch a team plays when they're actually playing my team. Yeah. It, you could tell, like, without Jokic, that team was nothing. I mean, Boogie did a great job of doing what he could, and obviously had one game in that series where he kept him in the game pretty much throughout the whole 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 game. But uh, Jokic is – I can see how he's definitely the, the most valuable player yeah. in the league. Uh, Embiid, Giannis, I think those guys will definitely probably win an MVP in their career. But uh, it's I think it's very fitting for Jokic to go ahead and win the back-to-back MVP. And that's going to do it for halftime. Let's not a lot of extracurriculars this week. So Yeah, yeah. not too much. <laughs> uh, nothing college-wise. Maybe we'll get a mock draft from Skyler next week. Oh, boy. 
for 2023 1.0 is that a possibility maybe if i'm bored at top work five top five something like oh that. We'll see yeah for sure yeah yes something simple uh but let's go ahead and get to the second half now where we're just going to be going over the nba series again we made our predictions mm-hmm. for them the last time that we talked about them but uh obviously the series have changed quite a bit since then Every series is tied 2-2 besides the dubs where they're up 3-1. Right now, Miami is up by 15 points midway through the third quarter against Philly. That's where we go first. How do you think this series plays out? It's pretty much the best of three now at this point. What do you think? I really wanted to switch my pick away from Miami here after seeing Harden like flip the switch last game, but I can't do it. I can't. It's Miami in, in seven here. And, you know, it's... <laughs> As simple as today, Kyle Lowry's out. I was thinking, man, you know, they're going to mess up the bench, you know, because either Tyler Hero or Oladipo is going to have to play 40 minutes. And you know what they did? They started Gabe Vincent instead. I completely forgot about him. You know, this team is so deep. It's crazy. Yeah, the this series and, and the, the Bucks celtics series are just so hard to predict because it's just – I could see him playing out both ways. I could see either one of the four possible outcomes for that Eastern Conference Finals matchup. And I'm going to go with Miami in seven. I think this series definitely goes seven. I think whoever wins this game is going to lose the next one. And we're forced to play seven in Miami. And any game seven, I'm tuned in for sure. That's going to be super fun to watch. But I'm going Miami in seven just because of the depth. I think... Embiid might be starting to hit a wall at this point. I think he hasn't played as good as as what he could have the past few days, and I don't think you're going to get that performance from Harden every single night. So I'm going with Miami in seven, and uh, we'll find out who they are playing here in a few minutes. Next up, we're going to the Western Conference side with the Mavericks and the Suns. That game is also tonight's series. is tied 2-2. Series shifts back to Phoenix where the Suns won the first two games of the series uh, and Dallas won the first or the second, third and fourth games uh, when they were in Dallas. Do, are we going to see a trend here where every every game is won by home team? Uh, how, how do you think this series plays out? I think so. I got the Suns in six. Uh, Dallas is putting up a better fight than I thought they would, but they're not going to get great games from Smith, Kleber, Bertans, while Lucas struggling, uh, especially on the road against a team like Phoenix. Uh, I just think their magic's going to run out. I would love to see Luca put up a fight here on the road, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think we are going to see a, a series that has every single game be won by the home team. And I think the Suns end up winning this one in seven. Mavericks have shocked me a little bit here. I think they are, are overachieving a little bit when it comes to this. So it's been a good season for them, but the Suns are the Suns, and I feel like they can turn it on at any moment, and I think they're going to, uh, especially if they get to a Game 7 situation, which would also be cool because hopefully uh, if the Warriors beat the Grizzlies in five, uh, which I'll talk about more here in a second, Mm. it would add some provided rest for the Dubs, who uh, are a little banged up right now. Next up, going back to the Eastern Conference, Bucks Celtics. This series is tied 2-2. It's been a super entertaining series. We've seen a whole bunch of storylines in this uh, with Marcus Smart, Giannis, Al Horford, Jason Tatum struggling, Jalen Brown having a big game, no Chris Middleton, obviously, Drew Holiday stepping up. 
who do you think wins this series and in how many games, Skyler? I got Boston in seven. Milwaukee desperately needs their closer, Chris Middleton, and they're not going to get him. They lost the fourth quarter last night, 43-28. to 28. If Al Horford, the fourth option, is scoring 30 points, then Milwaukee doesn't have a shot. This is so tough to predict. Uh, just like the other Eastern Conference series, I think it's it's super, super hard to predict. But I think regardless who wins the series, they beat the Heat in that Eastern Conference Finals and goes to, to the finals itself. Mm. I think that's going to end up being the Bucks because Giannis is the best player in this series. Whenever you are in doubt on what who to go with, go with the team that has the best player. Unless it's the Nuggets because... Their team sucks. <laughs> the last series now, Warriors and the Grizzlies. Warriors are up 3-1. No jaw likely for the rest of the series here as well. How do you see this one playing out, Skyler? I got the Warriors in six. Uh, Golden State shot terribly this series, but Memphis has been even worse. That's the only uh, thing on the Warrior side right now. But Golden State needs to figure out how to score inside, or they're going to get blown out tomorrow. So uh, just in case that happens, I have Warriors in six. But I, especially with Ja out, uh, they should be winning this series pretty easily if it's yeah. tomorrow or the next day. I have the dubs in five in this one. I think the, the reasoning partially also because, or the reason why that game was so close yesterday, obviously the Warriors shot like shit, but I think it also, Memphis's game plan kind of shocked the Warriors a little bit. I didn't think the, the Warriors thought that Steven Adams would be playing as many minutes mm. as he got, and they'd be using utilizing those guys the way that they did. Uh, so the Grizzlies stopped the points in the paint. They did well on that, and the Warriors obviously had a bad day shooting. It ended up kind of being a perfect storm as far as defensively goes for the Grizzlies. Obviously, they're not going to shoot that bad. Both teams, uh, probably this next game, but I think the Warriors just got that that gear in them that the Grizzlies don't have yet and uh, win the series in five and send Memphis back home to fucking Tennessee or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are correct. Let's go ahead and get to the layups and the bull predictions. Uh, now let's go ahead and get on out of here on 5-1-0 day. Uh, so last week for the layups, I had the dubs being the Grizzlies in the series. That looks good right now, but it's not in green yet. So we'll see how that goes there. And Skyler has Houston win series in Detroit for basketball because the Houston Rock or not basketball for baseball because no, the baseball. Houston Rockets are obviously not playing the Detroit Pistons in <laughs> the NBA playoffs right now. And that ended up doing well. I think they swept the Tigers because they, they were on a five game losing streak going into the A's series that they're in right now. This week, though, I have the dubs in five. That's my layup. All right. Pretty self-explanatory. I got uh, the Angels of Anaheim winning the series against the Oakland A's here. The angels are on fire. The A's can't really score right now. So this should be pretty simple for the angels. As far as our bold predictions go, we didn't do too well. And this one is kind of a rough one for Skylar. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, I had the heat sweeping. I didn't think Embiid was going to play at all this series. So maybe if Embiid doesn't play at all, this probably is green right now, but it's not. Series is tied 2-2, and Miami is up quite big in Game 5. Uh, and then Skyler had Dallas wins Game 2 at Phoenix. Keyword at Phoenix, because there hasn't been a single road win so far in this series. Uh, Dallas won Game 3 and 4, but not Game 2, unfortunately. So Skyler, um, 
We have to put that one in the red column there. And then that takes us to this week where I'm going baseball. Wait, what? What? Keep going. Okay. Sorry. Uh, For this week, I have the Dodgers sweeping the Philadelphia Phillies this weekend in LA. I don't think the Phillies match up well with the Dodgers. Dodgers have like a low two ERA as a team. That's not something that we see too often. Philly gives up a lot of runs. And I think the Dodgers are going to do a good job at stopping their offense as well. So I say the Doyers sweep the Phillies uh, in that three-game series in Los Angeles over the weekend. Okay. For some reason, it has the Sixers winning the series over Miami. So uh, ignore that. We're going with the Blue Jays. They're playing a road series at Tampa Bay. They're going to win that series. Tampa Bay's gotten a little too lucky the past couple weeks. So uh, Toronto's going to show them what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. That's going to do it for episode 87, though. Talked about a lot of things, mainly baseball, and then that good uh, playoff talk at the end of the second half there for all these playoff series. Is Hopefully we get some football news in the next week or so. We're going to have the yeah. schedule release, so maybe we have our very early uh, record predictions, playoff team predictions, stuff like that. So that could yeah, be on in Saturday Night Football. What? Oh, or the, first Sun- the first Sunday Night Football game? Is that what we're, we're betting? See what they do. that now? or uh, I heard uh, week four against Indy or Baltimore or something like that. But there's some rumors, but some rumblings about the uh, Jets playing their first Sunday Night Football game since 2011. These are all fake. Uh, these rumors that we see on here are all fake. They're always fake. Uh, unless we see them coming straight from the NFL, we could be making this stuff up as well. So Let's do uh, it <laughs> predicting the full NFL schedule. So yeah, that would be a fun episode and yeah. nauseating with how long that would be. But uh, yeah, it's going to do it for episode 87. We'll catch y'all in episode 88. Go Toronto. Dubs.